Hey, welcome to the Less Doing podcast, where we teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life in order to be more effective. You can find more at lessdoing.com. This is episode 67. I'm Felix Bird, and here's your host, Ari Mizell. Thank you very much. Very well read. Uh, I, I, I like our new intro. Uh, so uh, just two main announcements I just want to make before we get into the show is that uh, last week I posted this on Instagram, but uh, Change Collective was here filming a new course with me. I'm really oh, yeah. excited about this. Basically, Change Collective does this sort of uh, one-to-many coaching model where you sign up for these programs. They're usually two weeks. And there's, there's one about getting up earlier. There's one about, uh, I think, eating healthier. And mine is about getting to inbox zero. So it's really like a multimedia thing. You're seeing videos, you're seeing instructions from me, and then they actually have plugins for Gmail that are going to monitor how you're doing and really make sure that you do it and get there. So I'm not sure when that's going to be launching. I think it's going to be this summer, but that's pretty cool. Uh, and then the other thing is that the mastermind group, I had my first mastermind group call this morning. So it is starting in full swing and there's still room for people to get in and it's awesome. The first call went so well. So that was All a... Right. The first two things I just wanted to talk about real quick. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Should we uh, dive into a question? Yeah. Okay. So Sarah writes from the UK. Can you recommend a virtual assistant company in the UK? Okay. Basic question, but I actually have a sort of a full featured answer for that. So, and I'm actually, I'm kind of curious on your opinion on this, but no matter where you are in the world, you can obviously use a virtual assistant from anywhere. And my feeling is that, First things first, no matter where you are, you, you should try to use Fancy Hands. I love Fancy Hands the best. Uh, and especially if you're in the UK, I don't necessarily see how there would be any issue there. You know, same language, time is not an issue, time, time zone is not an issue because you have Fancy Hands working kind of all across the country at all hours of the day. So unless there's something very specific that you need from an assistant who is in the UK, for instance, I can't see why you wouldn't want to use Fancy Hands. Well... His his well, my yeah, thoughts. Let's hear it. I, I think I, I think for the most part they they would probably do really well. The only thing that they might that might be a problem is just sort of location based issues. Like they say, you know, trying to explain things about the local geography, or I'm trying to think of a good example. But it just something may arise out of a misunderstanding of that, or maybe even just sort of slight cultural differences could, um, I don't know. I can't think of any. Example. No, 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 that's fair. And that's what I, I, I thought that you but I remember, I remember heads cause I, I would love to get my parents into using fancy hands. Well, okay. Um, I actually do have a UK solution, but so this oh, is so okay. my, my first line of defense would be to say, go with fancy hands. If you want an on-demand service and if you yeah. want a dedicated assistant, I would still recommend virtual, although then you are dealing with one person in one time zone. Okay. However, Depends on the kind of stuff you need them to do. You know, like for me, for instance, for my human autoresponder task, that person could literally be anywhere in the world anytime. If you need someone who knows a little bit more of the local geography, maybe some of the culture, or they're going to be speaking to people on your behalf, then maybe you do want to look at someone local. So there is a company called Time Etc. And Time Etc. is actually, it's, it's almost, it's more full featured than a virtual assistant service alone. They actually put themselves out there as your basically like virtual managed staff. So through time, et cetera, you can get blog writers, virtual assistants, copywriters, I think bookkeepers, and oh, yeah. um, even marketing. Uh, like Basically, they have several talents that are available, and they oh, manage right. the entire process for you. Oh, cool. But they are UK-based, and they do have virtual assistants that are UK-based. So 
yeah. Sarah, that would be my recommendation. I've talked to them a few times. They're, it's a really great team over there, and they, they're they really, really big on quality control. So uh, Time Etc. would be my recommendation. And we have a link to that in the show notes, so you can you can check them out. Cool. So we got one more question, I think, right? Okay, yeah. Mindy asks, I have about seven years of files stored everywhere in Evernote, Dropbox, my hard drive, Google Drive, and email with all types of naming formats. Is there a simple way of organizing, tagging, renaming docs so that they're all in one place or are easily searchable? What would you recommend for simplifying my archive now and creating a consistent system moving forward? I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> you do, huh? <laughs> um, okay, well... Well, let's see if I if I shock you then. So this is actually kind of complicated. There, there is a lot that can be done here, and this it's a it's a there's a, a several questions in here. So the first thing is how do you find everything? That's the easiest question. And unfortunately, there used to be a really great service called uh, Q. Well, it's called Q now. What was it called before that? It was called something else before that. But Q, which let you search across Evernote, Gmail, uh, Google Calendar, your Dropbox, like Skype, all these others, like. 15 different cloud services you could search from one place, and they don't work anymore. They're not around anymore. So there's there's a couple services that let you do similar things. And okay. these are – I'm going to give you all of these, and the links will be in the show notes, but you're going to have to kind of create your own solution based on these tools. So the first two are Findit and Octonius. Now, they're both – uh, I think that they're both iOS-based. Find it might be web-based, but they essentially let you search across multiple cloud services from one place. So that's that's a first step because if you have you know duplicates of something in Dropbox or on Google Drive, or you have you know things in your Gmail and your Evernote, it, it, it'll just it'll get complicated. So you need some place where you can search them all. So that would be Octonius and Find It. Okay. Then there's then there's a service called Cloud HQ, and Cloud HQ allows you to set up automatic syncing between various cloud services. So you can actually use this to, A, synchronize documents. Oh, that's cool. That's the one I was telling you about the other day, actually. So you can Mm. use this to, on the first hand, synchronize files between, for instance, Evernote and Dropbox or uh, Google Drive and Dropbox. But you can also use it to make it as a backup. So you can back up your entire Evernote, for instance, to Dropbox, which is something that I actually would recommend doing. In order to work on the tagging and the, uh, the categorization, there's a service called WAPWolf, which yeah. I'm going to add that to the show notes too. I forgot to put that in there. So WAPWolf is a automa- it's an automation service that basically it's not of the vein of IFTTT or Zapier. It's more of processing within the cloud service itself. So, for instance, you can tell it that to take any file that has this particular name and rename it like this and have a whole naming convention. You could also have it convert files to other files. You can have it move files from one place to another all automatically. So that would be the one for for starting to get them organized. And then the last one would be sort my box, which just works for Dropbox. So sort my box is something that also has these rules set up so that it will now and going forward, if it sees something of a particular string or a particular extension, for instance, it can then move that to another folder, which is actually a really good segue. Uh, and I, I think you have a comment on this, Felix. I feel like you have a comment on this, but I want to just say one other thing <laughs> is mm-hmm. that on Instagram this week, and I have the link to that on the show notes, I posted my process for our podcast production, how it works. And it involves sort my box, uh, WAP wolf and fancy hand Zapier, uh, uh, Fiverr, 
and Auphonic and about three other services. And it all sort of works very seamlessly. So essentially, when Felix and I do this recording, I, re I rename the file with the word Felix in it. And it's in my Dropbox already. And when I do an interview, I basically call that an interview. And that's all I have to do. I just have to rename those two files. And then everything else happens automatically. Felix gets his information. We can do our audio processing. Fiverr transcribes it. All of that stuff happens in the background through this process. So you do have to sort of create your own solution, but these tools should get you there. Yeah, cool. So um, you, you, well, you had asked me the other day about a thing for backing up. So Cloud HQ, have you tried it yet? No, I mean, I've, I've got everything backed up, um, you know, across all the different machines that I have. So I have Evernote running on my, on my, on all of my different uh, laptops and PC and my, you know, my desktop computer. And I have that backed up in many different places and I have that backed up offline. So I'm not using a cloud-based server at this moment. Well, no, but, and that's a good solution too. And I used to do that as well. I used to have, I actually used to keep a computer at my parents' house that was just sitting in a closet of theirs and it was, it was just my backup over the cloud. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, that's like a great home server, which is a really great system for, for a lot of people. You've got an old laptop lying around and, you know, you leave it, you could leave it anywhere and um, that would function as a, you know, as a, a server. So exactly. that could be okay. good. And, and for that, you know, Dropbox works great, Trigger Sync works great, or just, yeah. uh, is that what you're using or are you using something else? Uh, I'm, I'm using, uh, no, I mean, I've just used the, 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 the application and just by having it on the hard drive, it backs it up to, right, the, right. to the files in the, the folder in the finder, you know, in the hard drive. Yes, absolutely. And, and I, that is a, it's a good point to make, by the way, that cloud services are great and they really do make you kind of bulletproof. And, you know, if your house blows, you know, house burns down, God forbid, like you're, you're, you're going to be okay with your data. However, cloud services are still stored on a server somewhere. And, you know, it, it's a really good idea to have your own backup yeah. offline. Or, or just to, I think something that's good to reiterate here is that Evernote, although it is a cloud service, it's not backed up. Um, if someone were to somehow get into your account or a number of right. ways, I mean, there are a number of conspiracy theories about what could happen, <laughs> but um, someone could go in there and delete your whole Evernote account and it would be completely gone. You wouldn't be able to get it back unless you have it set up by the methods we just spoke about. Um Another thing that's worth mentioning for any iPhone users, I don't know if you've had this problem, have you ever lost a contact number in, in your iPhone contact, which is supposedly backed up to iCloud? I've tried that. I mean, I've had that problem, and you can't actually get it back. It's not, a, it's not a backup. It's just another place where it's stored. So if you delete something, it deletes it there, and boom, it's gone as far as I know. Yeah, no, that's true. And that's actually, I mean, not to get too geeky about this, but when no, they first right. started having RAID hard drives, you know, where it would immediately back up to the other hard drive, yeah. same problem. If you had something go wrong with one hard and not, you know, that would be great if like a hard drive broke, then you have another hard drive with immediate backup. But if a hard drive got everything deleted by accident, then it would delete it immediately on the backup. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. So, yeah. All right, so there was there was some really cool stuff in the news this week. Well, actually, so this isn't news, but uh, Fancy Hands has a Chrome extension now. And I'm pretty excited about it, actually. So first of all, you can just, on the basic level, you can just click the button anytime you want and open it up and add a new task. And that's fine. But what it's actually starting to do now is it will look, if you let it, if you give them the permission, they'll look in your email every now and then and basically they suggest tasks. Oh, really? Uh, yes. And I was very impressed. There was like a meeting I had coming up and it's like, well, we can give you a one-sheet preparation for your meeting. Uh, or like we can make that dinner reservation for it's kind of weird. Um, I don't know. Cool. 
I've always been one who like doesn't care about the privacy aspects at all, and obviously that might be an issue here, but uh, it's it's pretty cool. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was a article about Soylent. So have you seen Soylent, the food? No, I haven't. Okay. No. So oh, I food. did. Go on. I, I think I've heard about this. Okay, yeah. so Soylent, uh, this guy created Soylent. They've gotten a million dollars in funding, and it's basically a, it is a, I don't want to say meal replacement. It's beyond that. It's supposed to be like a nutritional, all-encompassing thing, and it's a powdered food. So you yeah. drink it like a shake, and I think it's like three a day, and you're supposed to take some fish oil with it as well. But it's basically sort of being marketed as this like method of just having food. You don't have to eat. You just have this thing, uh, and it's got all the nutrients you need. It's like the perfect food. Okay. Okay, so, you... so I've heard several people have done experiments with it, and some have had good results, and some have had terrible results, like really bad gas and bloating and like really bad headaches or, you know, because you're not eating at all. No food. Wow. Um, and the you, idea, could, you could just sit there and work all day long with just like a milkshake attached to your, yeah, essentially. sip on a milkshake all day. Essentially. Yeah, My understanding is it tastes kind of like oatmeal and not bad, but kind of like oatmeal. And uh, you, you, this is like a long-term solution. Like it's not like a cleanse. Like you're supposed to be able to eat, just have this and that's I supposed see. to be all of your sustenance. Probably wouldn't be very long before it would taste really, really, really bad. <laughs> not to mention the fact that, so basically the only thing that you're not getting, which they recommend, is that you take a fish oil. And most people who have taken a fish oil have had that experience where they burp like an hour later and they taste fish. And so if you're basically having like oatmeal shakes and fish burps, I'd feel really bad. <laughs> but is, is, it a, is it based all on soy? Uh, no, it's not at all. It's based on, oh, okay. it's from Soylent Green, you know, the book Soylent Green. So it's like, basically, okay. it's just a few, you know, dystopian future and like this idea of sort of, it's like the the meal and a pill idea that all these movies from the 40s said, you know, the future was going to be like. Mm. But they did this study with uh, rodents and they were showing that there are actually really long-term problems, a lot of long-term problems from eating a a powdered food base only. There's something apparently – so they had like hypertension and, and they were getting like uh, uh, blood sugar issues and even just acting kind of erratic. And what they believe from the study is that there is a digestive and sort of psychological necess- necessity and benefit to chewing your food. Oh, uh, yeah. So as basic as that sounds, like the act of chewing apparently is very – is a part of the digestive process. And, you know, it, it signals your body that there's calories coming. It, it – helps break up food like just having powdered food apparently like, see. misses a big part so it's actually it's kind of maybe scary. chewing gum could help yeah right so just have you your know, oatmeal you powder could... fish burps and chewing gum and you're chewing all gum three times a day you'll be fine yeah exactly so sort of along those same lines i feel like i don't know why but these connected to me there was a times article this guy did the a no soap no shampoo hygiene experiment oh god so well no so it's pretty cool actually uh he there's a company called AOBiome, which makes a skin probiotic. And what people don't realize, you know, when you're using antibiotic soaps, anti, I'm sorry, antibacterial soaps, and you're constantly cleaning your hands and stuff, if we didn't have trillions and trillions of bacteria on our skin, you would wake up every morning with, like, a thick layer of fur on you, essentially. Really? Yes, as lovely as that sounds. So... We need that bacteria. We need that beneficial bacteria. It prevents us from getting eczema. It prevents us from getting uh, other skin issues like collagen buildup. Even some skin cancers can be prevented by having healthy skin that comes from the probiotics. So the guy did the experiment and he was using this and he, this skin probiotic and the result was really positive. He didn't smell too bad and his skin felt much smoother. And 
I've talked about this before. I I get wet every day, either a bath with the kids or, uh, you know, I'll take a shower or something. But I typically only use soap at all, like once a week. So, really? Yes. Uh, and, I mean, I always had really bad eczema, you know, and so I have sensitive skin. And, and I, you know, we talked last week about the dry patch under the eye and the, the, the sugar yeah. scrub. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm wet every day, you know, either in the pool or the bath or the, the, uh, the shower. But I just find that my skin feels better and I, I don't smell bad. And, like, I, I just, I just, my skin's softer when I don't use yeah. soap. Yeah. And I can let the, I could let the other, you know, readers know that, you know, Ari doesn't smell too bad at all, and uh, his Thank wife <laughs> certainly certainly would not tolerate that if that were the case. Yes, well, and I, I would expect you to be the first to tell me if I did because we work out together pretty hard. So it's true. Yeah. Um, okay, so then uh, I read "The Obstacle Is the Way" this week by Ryan Holiday, and Ryan is actually going to be on the show in a month, I think. But uh, it's really cool. It's basically about stoicism and how you know stoicism being the philosophy is saying that essentially we can't change bad events or things that happen to us we can only change our perception of them mm. so he gives all these historical examples of people who basically were met with a huge obstacle of some sort and then overcame them to become stronger and i just i just thought it was really good so i just want to put that out there now because ryan is going to be on the show and we're going to talk about the book more but uh if you haven't read mm. it you can check it on obviously on amazon or kindle but you can also get it on blinkist now so you can read it in 15 minutes on blinkist Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then there was a couple more that I wanted to tell you about. One was the uh, – oh, this one I really liked. Okay, so there was a study about skipping breakfast. So okay. there's all sorts of thoughts on this, and, and I think the general – my feeling is that breakfast is the most important meal of the day not to screw up, basically. So y- – the first meal of the day, whatever it is, whether it's you know what people call breakfast first thing in the morning or not, or later in the day, whatever your first meal is, I really believe sets you up for kind of the rest of the day and how you're gonna how your cravings are gonna work, how your sugar is gonna be. So me personally, as you know, you know I basically eat between twelve and eight, um, so I'm getting that intermittent fasting of, uh, effects, and I'm not technically having breakfast. My first meal is a really really big lunch, but what the study was finding was that people skipping breakfast was leading to obesity. Um, and what sort of, but basically what the conclusion was is that the people in the study, Americans particularly, the breakfast that they were typically having was a really crappy breakfast. Like they would be having, you know, sugary cereal and juice and not any good fats or just, you know, processed foods. So wait, wait, you're talking those, about the people who skipped breakfast or the people who didn't? People who skipped breakfast were, were getting more obese. Okay. So basically what the result was is that these people were not healthy to begin with, essentially. Oh, I see, because they would normally have a really sugary breakfast. Right, so they're eating a crappy breakfast, they're holding off, and then the the meal that they were eating was like that much unhealthier because they were basically just gorging themselves because they had no ability to sort of maintain that that sugar rush or that sugar loss. Okay. So the study itself, I think, was a little bit flawed, which the person – I linked over to Subversity, and he basically admits that too. But essentially, the conclusion is that the first meal of the day, whenever you have it, should be a good one and should be a healthier one. So my uh, my huevos rancheros are going to be waiting for me when I'm done with this this recording, <laughs> <laughs> or I'll have to make them. Uh, and then there's just two more things before, and then I, I wanted to ask you a question. Actually, well, not a question. I know you had a couple studies that you thought were cool. One was the Muse Brain Sensor. I don't know anything about it yet. I just know I want to try it. It's a it's like a headband that can read your. It's an EEG essentially, so it can read how you're stressing and how you're thinking and how you're focusing. 
and oh, yeah. give you feedback on an iPhone app so you can actually do activities or do exercises or just see how different times of day affect the way that you're focusing, which is really right. badass. Wow. And it's wow, like a $300 so thing. Wow. So that, I, I can't wait to, I'm going to see if they'll give me one to try out. Uh, <laughs> and then the last thing is uh, there's an article in the Next Shark about um, butter in your coffee and how like people are now putting more and more butter in their coffee because, which is really uh, due to the Bulletproof Executive and Dave Asprey. Now, this is, what, this is what you do every morning, right? This is what I do when I have coffee. I, I have coffee probably once a week. Oh, uh, okay. But yeah, so so you're, not, you're not having your butter. butter and your coffee as your breakfast type thing anymore. Right. Well, so if I've had like a rough night or I have a really big day ahead of me, sometimes I'll have that Bulletproof coffee in the morning. Okay. And just to be clear, a Bulletproof coffee is a trademark thing. A Bulletproof coffee is with upgraded coffee beans, which is Dave's beans, and uh, upgraded MCT oil, which is his medium-chain triglyceride oil, which is derived from coconuts. And uh, uh, two tablespoons of butter, typically Kerrygold grass-fed butter. He likes to use the unsalted kind. I actually like using the salted butter. I know that sounds weird to put that in my coffee, but I really like it. I think it gives me like a little bit more electrolytes and just more taste. But basically, the article is just talking about how grass-fed butter is giving you vitamin K and how it can help yeah. with neurodegenerative diseases, anti-inflammatory. You get conjugal, um, excuse me. Conjugated linoleic acid, which is also which is from the grass-fed butter and helps to bring down body mass. So there's all these benefits to having butter in your coffee. And if for any of those who are thinking, "Wow, that sounds terrible," try it because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> even even uh, your wife liked it when I made it for her. Yeah, I, I I've I think I've had a sip of yours. It was pretty good, but I think I need to try the whole uh, the whole thing. It's a yeah. it's a nice little process. So yeah. um, anyway, there was a couple of things that I didn't put in my show notes that you thought that you found interesting, right? Oh, and also just on that note, I should mention because you buy the um, the upgraded the bulletproof upgraded coffee K cups, right? Yes. And it's worth knowing that, that they make those for those people who are into the K cups. I'm not, but you know, I'm sure many of our listeners are because it's yes. very very efficient. Well, you're a, you're a very 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 dark tea drinker. I know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a, from from tea addiction. That's all it is. Yeah, but there was so right there was like one or two that you thought were cool. Oh yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I've I loved the um, the one about the Google Google gloves that you put on, and then they send and it teaches you how to basically play the piano in a nutshell um, without you knowing it. I'm sure you can explain it much better than me, as we'll be here all day if I give it a try. <laughs> You know, it was basically these gloves for learning a new skill really quickly, and it, it did like electrostimulation and vibration very specifically to essentially maximize muscle memory by like a thousand percent or something. Yeah. So what I think it does is it, it plays the, um, it will send little electric shocks to every to your fingers in the same order that you that it would be if you were playing that melody on the piano, so it knows which keys are going to play now as a musician myself i thought this was fascinating because what it does is he puts these gloves on for two hours and then you know at the end of it uh, he sits down and they say okay play play this song this is the one that it's been doing and and after a very short while he he can do it um and i i thought this was this was really interesting and then i was especially interested because i wonder if if you have two gloves that one of the biggest challenges um, to playing the piano is using both hands at the same time, right. and I would be really interested to to know how that works. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. It's, I mean, anything that can shortcut learning, I think, is always amazing. And this one is... It's a big one. It's a big one. And it's interesting, too, because in a way, it's like you're almost disconnecting the motor skill from the mental skill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, for me, because when I, when I used to play the piano, which is never well, and I, I haven't played in years, but I always, I always did it by memory. And I, 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 I almost remember like not thinking about it ever. I would just play, I would just play and, you know, it, the notes would come out. But in, in a way, well, yeah, I, actually, what do you think about this? So you, are you disconnecting like the feeling and the passion and then are you just technically playing basically? Well, I think one could see it like that, but what I, this is rather clever. It's what, what it's doing is it's uh, no, I, I don't think that would be the case at all from what you're saying, because that's, you know, that's, that's up here, you know, you're never right. going to take that away. What it's doing is it's, um, it's just shortcutting that process of muscle memory. Now to be a, to be an amazing piano player, there's no big secret. Or any musician, you have to practice for hours and hours and hours, right. and you've got it. And the only process you're doing there is to get that muscle memory. the The feeling and emotional part is something that that you decide on and, and work on. And but the whole uh, the rote learning process, if you will, that comes through um, just through playing that over and over and over again. And that's why these guys practice for hours and hours a day. It's the only way you can do it. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think it's actually a really, I mean, it's a fascinating area of exploration. But all yeah. right, so we're just about out of time here for our port. So yeah. the interview today is with Dan Abate, who has a company called Roboticon, and he he is an automation ninja. I'm very, I was really impressed. I had a really cool time talking to him, and uh, I'm, I, I know you're gonna like this interview. So Felix, thanks. No, I can't wait. I can't wait to see this interview as well. So I'm gonna listen to it now. All right. Well, we will see you all next week. Okay. Thanks. So now I'm speaking to Dan, who is the founder of Robotaton. Hi, Dan. Nice to see you. You too. Thank you for talking to me. I love talking to people who are into automation. So uh, why don't you tell everybody, first of all, what Robotaton does? Sure. Um, What Robotaton does is uh, we focus on end-to-end business process automation. So what that means is, is that, um, you know, we look at companies and figure out how we take um, everything from their first customer interactions and their CRM all the way through uh, production, all the way through invoicing until there's, you know, income coming in on the other side. The idea is to hook up as many of those systems as possible with our cloud-based platform that lays over the top of all of that um, and, and automate everything in the middle, uh, take as many human hands out of it as possible. Okay, so so have you created a custom solution, or you tend to? I mean, you sort of mix and match, or how does it work? It's it's our system is proprietary. It sits, like I said, it's kind of a, it's a it sits on top of the um, it, either the current infrastructure, depending on what they're using, software wise and hardware for that matter, um, or uh, we build specific custom modules. Usually, it ends up being a combination of both. Each um, you know, depending on what area and what they're using. Sometimes they're using stuff that's really antiquated. A lot of times they're using, um, you know, Excel spreadsheets or something like that, which is just not where they need to be. And so we'll build something completely new from that, you know, so it, it just depends. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of IFTTT and Zapier and stuff for automation stuff, but it, it sounds like you're really taking this to the next level. Yeah. Our, I mean, we're, we're, it's our assumption that in the future, um, most companies will have to be, um, if not fully automated, as automated as possible in order to stay competitive. Um, there really should be no people, uh, there should be nothing 
being done in a repetitive fashion by a person. It's just they're, they're, we're, we're kind of past that, and we're, that's kind of what we're preaching. Yeah, so it's it's funny to have you say it that way because a lot of times when people are asking me like what you know, I recommend virtual assistants to people a lot, and and most often someone is like, well, I don't even know what I would have them do, and I'm like, you know, what'd you do today? It's like, okay, well, there's six <laughs> things that you know you could probably have done because people don't seem to realize that that the repetitive things are you can optimize them and automate them, but also they, they don't even realize what is required to do them a lot of times. I feel like. I think the thing that's interesting is is that I, because people don't think um, in terms of automation, they just think in terms of doing, um, that it's almost a habit to just do, you know, um, and especially then when you start getting up into these, you know, we're, we're working with a lot of mid-market companies. So you're looking at companies that are, you know, 10 million in revenue and up, you know, up into about 100 million in revenue. So these are sometimes getting to be fairly substantial companies. And so they're just so focused on the day-to-day what needs to be done and the way it's always been done, you know, right. just the way we do it. And then um, that they don't see the, you know, tons of opportunity um, to utilize, you know, system, you know, computers to actually do a majority of the work that they're, that they're doing. And then, then a computer, a system like ours or other systems, they do it better than people because it's just more competitive. It's just faster. It's it's more accurate. It doesn't screw up. You know, there, it doesn't take a vacation. It's all that sort of stuff. Right. Of course. And and so you don't do much outsourcing stuff, right? You're really focused on the automation. Yeah, that's really well. That's our focus. Yeah, like um, I actually met a guy who uh, kind of summed it up pretty well, which basically said that you know when when we buy when we go into a new company to do something. Uh, you know, the first thing we look at is, you know, can we automate it? Then can we outsource it? And then in worst case scenario, we'll hire somebody locally. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, no, and, and you know what? I love that because, you know, my process, my last doing process is to optimize first, then automate. And then if there's anything left over, then we outsource. So that's great. And actually on my last, I think it was my last episode of the one before that I was talking about my version of screen, spring cleaning, which is where I go through all of the things that I have people doing and try to see yep. if I can automate them. <laughs> That's actually a really good point, and that's something that we do as well because we found this to be the case that even companies that are a little bit proactive on the front end to actually do automate some, you know, some of their processes or all of them if we can get them to do it, there also has to be a regular maintenance effort that goes into it because businesses change. Things change you know, on a yearly basis, let's say. Yeah. We go in and do an audit to make sure that there hasn't been little things that have crept up and tacked onto the side of the automated system that somebody's doing manually and feeding in. So you just got to keep your eye out for that stuff because you always got to be, you know, like you said, spring cleaning basically and make sure that everything stays optimized. And it's also cool. I mean, so in addition to offering this as a consulting service, you you actually go in and buy companies and and automate them and sell them, right? Yeah, yeah. That's really how the company started. Um, that's really been the, that was our history. We we look for companies. You know, it's funny. You'd go look at. You know, a lot of times people are specific industry focused or whatever their whatever their niche is. And we'd always say that our niche was companies that have the most screwed up processes. So the more screwed up they were, the more antiquated they were, the more potential value we can extract from that inefficiency. And so yeah, well, yeah, we'd buy them, fix them, and then sell them again. And, and what kind of industry, I mean, do you have a focus or can you, I mean, it, what kind well, of companies are you working with? Certain industries work better. It's not necessarily particularly focused on any industry, but there are certain ones that are better. For example, um, ones that are not good a lot of times are professional services like CPA firms, you know, lawyer, law firms, um, those sorts of guys, because they're basically 
they're they're actually essentially a creative business if you really think about it. Um, there's a, they they really do only one. They work in one area. They don't have a lot of to 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 make a billable hour. They don't have a lot of um, process involved. They they work in their one little area as opposed to for for example ground transportation. Ground transportation has a lot of moving parts. It's got a lot of employees. It's got a lot of equipment. It's got a lot of GPS enabled things that you can, you know, tie into um, all the way through down, um, you know, to keep track of your customers and the customer feedback. So there's a lot of, um, so those types of companies that have a lot of elements to producing that dollar um, are the ones that are usually the best fit for what we do. Gotcha. Now, so I, one of the resistance that I get a lot, I, I get sometimes about this stuff is, you know, what about the jobs that you're sort of giving up? And so, I mean, I have a, a feeling on that, but I'm curious what your thoughts are about that when people say yeah. that. I get that question a lot. I, I do um, a kind of a future of automation talk that I'll do to different business groups and, and different community groups and stuff like that. And that question comes up a lot. Um, and I think the thing that's tricky about it is, is that, um, is that, you know, in the in the past, technology has always created new and you know better jobs for the people that it displaces. Although I think in this particular instance right now, I think technology is at kind of an exponential curve where the um, process at which it's creating new jobs is probably more on a linear line. So I think that's where the disconnect is going to come in the short term because technology is moving faster than it can create new jobs for people. Um, so I think in the short term, I think there's going to be some, some bumps in the road. And I think we're already seeing those bumps in the road, basically just in the downturn that we saw a few years ago in the global economy. And that the fact that now the economy has rebounded, but we haven't seen any new jobs. I think the reason we haven't seen any new jobs or very many new jobs um, is due to the fact that when, the, when those companies got squeezed, they automated and they increased their efficiency so much that then when, you know, revenue and everything started going back up again, they didn't need to hire anybody back. So I think we're starting to see these effects already. Um, and I don't know what the solution is going to be, but I do think there's going to be some bumps along the way. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, so it's actually pretty similar to what I usually say is that if, if an automation that I help create or that, that someone does, put somebody out of a job, then they probably weren't efficiently allocated as a resource anyway, which is not only about the business, that person is probably bored in what they were doing. <laughs> yes. you know? And so it's not like, oh, now they have to go. I mean, yes, it's not the best economy to look for a job, but maybe it gives that person an opportunity to look for a job that they're actually better suited for and hopefully can make more money at. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing that's interesting about that is, is that if you redeploy people into things that are that can't be done by computers, um, you're actually making much better use of them as people. Because if a computer can do it, it's probably pretty boring. <laughs> it's right. probably pretty terrible. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's why it, it almost, I mean, you know, even if you look at like um, industrial processes where there's robots now, you know, doing welding and stuff like that, it's like, well, you know, you're safer because you're not doing it. it the machine does it faster and you do have a skill. Maybe you can do something, you know. It, it, it's about efficiently allocating resources. And I, I don't mean to refer to people as resources, but it is kind of how you have to look at it when you're looking at a business process. Yeah. Well, that's how the economy looks at people too. I mean, it's called human resources and, you know, and businesses in the economy. So yeah, you have to really look at what people are best, how to best utilize people. And usually if you're utilizing people well, then hopefully they'll be better off for it as well. Yes, of course. So 
what does the process look like? Like when you go into, you know, and I mean, actually, we probably have some war stories we can share because I've seen some unbelievably ridiculous processes with people, That's including true. one. Actually, I'd like to share this first just to give yeah. you some context. Uh, this guy, what we, I was looking at a company that a client wanted to buy and it, they sold a product and uh, they were taking online orders, quote unquote, online orders. Basically, someone would send an email with the order and the guy would print out the order and place it on his desk with a piece of tape. And then they would prepare the order. He'd charge the card. Then he would wait five days to let the the card charge clear. Then that piece of paper would come off of his desk on one place and get handed to someone else to, and then process the order. So needless to say. Um, So, so how do you, what sort of, how do you like approach it? Is it like a shotgun effect or like, what do you look at first? Well, usually what we do is we look at that manual process that you just described there. Like we would actually have somebody or, or, usually multiple people in the bigger company is we'd walk through the entire process piece by piece. And sometimes a lot of times what ends up happening too, is these companies go in and out of manual processes. So maybe you'll come in over on the, you know, CRM side, here's how we made our initial contacts with the customer. Now we've got them as a customer and now the paper goes up on the guy's desk. Like, you know, and it goes from a software thing into something that's on the desk. Okay, now we're waiting for so-and-so to enter them into the accounting system so we can keep track of how we're going to build them. Okay, and now, you know, oh, she was on vacation, so a week later it gets entered in, you know, whatever the situation is. So we just kind of track and order um, a customer through the entire system of the of the company. And, then, you know, some of these companies are, um, you know, like, for example – one of the companies that we purchased was a, video, a legal video production company, a company that did video for lawyers. And um, so there was a lot of, uh, you know, pl- scheduling and planning out in the future, like, hey, this is when all this stuff is going to go down. So the scheduling system that was in place was completely manual. I mean, they were managing, you know, 30 different videographers on this big, giant manual like calendar where they're scratching stuff out and writing it back in and then because things are always changing and then they'd have to send updated information to the both sides of the uh you know the uh, the attorneys so you'd have attorneys on two sides of the case and then of course you'd have the videographer and the court reporter we'd manage the videographer but everybody had to get all this information and get it all on the same page and they were managing all of that um, between basically a, one set of forms was like in a word doc, which they keep changing all the fields, man, like all of the items manually. And then they change a PDF manually and then they'd fax it to this guy, email thing, all manual. So they had to do, so if something had to be changed, they do it in six different places because you had to do it in six different places, but they do it manually. And so like walking through and seeing all of that, we just basically did the exact same thing. We just copied the manual system and then just let the computer do all of it. So um, honestly, the system they had in place was for what it was, was as efficient as it could be. It was just um, it was just slow and, and, and air prone, basically, and, and very easy to make the computer. do it. So that's what we did. Gotcha. did does it ever do you, I mean, do you get shocked anymore ever? <laughs> no, well, like um, usually where I get shocked the most is, is the size of the companies. Like a lot of times you think, oh, you know, OK, a little family you know, million dollar company or whatever, I'll accept, you can pretty much accept whatever. But then you get into a 30 million or a 50 million or a hundred million dollar company. There's a company that's a, I saw it was 120 million something in revenue. Big company, a lot of 300 plus employees um, that basically had a whole accounting department 
dedicated to um, having all of their guys out in the field, like physically calling them and telling them what they're doing. And then these people would like enter it into the computer. And so they had this big like call center basically of, of bookkeepers that were just calling and, 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 and it was just, a, it was a big company I'm a decent sized company. It was a very profitable company too. Um, and they just, uh, that's the way they did. It. And that way that goes back to them. That's the way we've always done it. You know, a company was 50 years old and that's how they did it originally. And they never changed. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, so for a company that's just starting out now, you know, and, and I, this is another thing I see all the time is they're like, well, you know, we'll, we'll put the processes in place once we start to grow or once we get bigger or whatever. It's like, how do you, you know, what do you tell them? Like, how do you start now so that you can become scalable? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah. The, the key there is what you says, how you can become scalable. We have people that come to us at the point that they realize they're not scalable and then they're freaking out because they want to grow. Um, but the answer to that is, is it's never too early to start putting these processes in place. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're a one-man show. Um, if you're a one-man show, you should be looking at what you do on a daily basis um, and, 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 again, automating and automating and automating as much of it as possible because if you get into that thought process early – then as you start, as your company does grow, well, for one, you're going to be more profitable right from the beginning because you don't have to keep hiring people to just, you know, incrementally grow. You might be able to exponentially grow and still just be one person or a few people. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the key to it is just to get into that frame of mind as early as possible and then just look at it and look at every little detail. There's a thing called, um, oh, I can't remember, it's one of the lean things from Japan, all the auto plants use it um kaizen something like yeah, this kaizen. yeah yeah so i mean that, that's the idea like just like constant improvement constantly looking for you know each little step why did i take six steps to go over there maybe i should take five steps you know like it, it's it seems crazy but if you really get into it you can really accomplish a lot what's one what's like one of your favorite projects like one of the coolest you know weirdest maybe automations that you or uh, businesses actually that you've been able to help automate well, I, I like to use that video one as the example that I because we did the most. It wasn't a, the biggest company that we've done, but it was the one that we got the most. Um, you saw the biggest like example of change. Um, that one in particular, because what we did was is again we've got these manual system in place where they're sending all this information around. So obviously we got rid of all that so that, that the computer was just sending everybody information. But that wasn't that big of a deal. What really was cool was all the video guys had um, equipment supplied by the company. All of the video guys were 1099 independent contractors. The company supplied the equipment that they needed. So we had control of their equipment basically. And so with that control, we inserted GPS tracking units to each of the boxes of equipment that they had. And what that allowed us to do is, is allowed the server to keep track of where these guys are at any given time. So that means that now the server can forecast if somebody's in route when they're supposed to be in route. So, or, or if they're moving to where they're supposed to be, or if it looks like they're going to be late based on looking like, hey, here you are now. It's a half an hour to where you're supposed to be, but you're not You're 50 miles away still. What's going on? So it really allowed the server to really take kind of full control of everyone in the system so that that way then it wasn't just managing information. It was actually managing um, the people that were operating in it. So the people became ancillary to whatever the system was requiring at that time. Um, and so like basically would say, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's watching constantly. 
and knows that the guy's supposed to be over here in an hour and he know, and it knows that it takes an hour to get there why isn't that batch of equipment moving yet you know hey it should be moving and then if it, and then it sends out a text and it sends out an email and it's you know it, it says to the says to the guy why aren't you moving if it doesn't get a response you know just a click you know click to respond kind of oh i'm on my way blah blah like four or five stock responses um but if it doesn't get a response it bumps it up to the manager the person who's supposed to be you know who can physically call and be like, where are you? What's going on? Da, 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 you know, um, so that, that way there's always this constant real time perspective of what's happening in the company. And we did, when we did this, we ended up eliminating, um, there were eight people to begin with, uh, in a 1500 square foot office. And we took that down to one person in like a, in a, in a, in a single room office. Um, and then, then that one person wasn't even that busy anymore because that person who just handled anything that was out of the ordinary, um, all of the regular stuff was once that order, once that deposition or video, whatever they were videoing was scheduled, that's it. The server took over. And unless there was some sort of issue, the person never had to do anything with it again until it's the server says here, print out this invoice and put it in the mail on the other side. Right. So that, that was a pretty cool that's a pretty cool one. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so the the last question I always love to ask people, and I'm I'm particularly interested to hear your response, is what are your top three personal tips for being more effective? What what and it can be you know from anything you've ever learned or done, but like what is it that you the three things that make you more effective? Top three. That's pretty interesting. That's a tough question. Um, Take time. Well, the first uh, the first thing that I would say is is don't get bogged down in in all the things that you can do easily. Um, I have a tendency, and I know that it's human nature to kind of do all the stuff that you can do easily first. Like, oh, I got a bunch of emails I should respond to, so you do those first, and then you spend your whole day just doing all the little baloney business that is really not that hard to do. And then you say, oh boy, I had a busy day. I was so I worked all day today and look what, you know, I got all this stuff done, but you really didn't accomplish anything. You just did stuff that was easy to do. So switch, switch that around basically, instead of just doing the easy stuff first, do the stuff that you have to put some thought into, do that stuff that you can do. Don't let the easy stuff bog you down. That's number one. Um, probably the second thing I would say is, is that, um, kind of along those same lines is, is don't do everything yourself. Um, you, you get a computer to help you get a, get something to help you. If it's not a computer, get a person, get an outsource, you know, like a VA or something like that, get people to help you. Um, so again, that you don't get bogged down in miscellaneous, uh, you know, stuff that distracts you basically. Like if you're running a company or you're starting a company, you should always be looking in a forward moving sense. You should always be thinking, um, that I'm working um, on the business, not in the business. If you're working in the business, you're going to run out of time real fast. Like and, you're not gonna get um, and then third one, um, I have to make sure you're doing something that you have fun with and that you really like. Great. If you don't, if you don't like it, then um, then it's not going to it's not going to be doing you any good. So and you're going to and you're going to be automated out of what you're doing. So yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, if you're having fun with it, you can't teach a computer to have fun. So. You got to make sure you're you, be having fun is part of your job description. Cannot teach a computer to have fun. I absolutely. So Dan, um, we're going to put this all in the show notes, but give you know, give us your URL and Twitter and wherever like people sure, can sure. follow you and find you. Yeah. Um, you know, check out our website. It's uh, roboton.com. That's robot, A-T-O-N.com. 
Uh, we've got our blog on there and everything else is linked on there as well. We've got some cool videos and stuff coming up too that should be posted in about the next week. So um, yeah, check it out. Okay, great. Well, Dan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Sure. Thanks a lot.